let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions, and this isn't exactly the show that we said we was going to do last week, is it, mate? No, Steve. We talked about last week on last week's show what we were going to do, and then we scrapped it completely. Yeah, because there was some, some big news this week that we, we decided it was probably uh, more important to focus on. But we will come to that in, in, in due course. We've already got our first beer of the evening in the glass. Uh, what is it that we're drinking here, mate? So we've been very kindly sent some uh, new beers by Signature Brew. So thank you very much to Signature for sending those through. And the first of the two beers we're doing tonight is uh, a Festival Saison, Dry Hop Saison, 4.8%. And as you say, we already have it in the glass, so let's tuck in, mate. Let's, let's, let's dive in. Cheers. Cheers. It's definitely got a little bit of a farmhouse nose, for want of a, a better phrase. See, now I don't pick that up. I'd, I'd say from the nose on that, what I'm, what I'm getting is Palau. Like really, yeah, like fruity parallel. See, I'm really quite shocked to that because I would have thought you would have got that sort of a farmyardy type barnyard nose more than me, just because maybe you you're a little bit more hesitant with this kind of style. Um, I get that slightly a little bit of a peppery uh flavor or characteristic to the beer, maybe a little bit lemony as well, very dry. At the back end of it as well it is it is very dry um i've, I've just gone back in and had another big sniff and I've, I've i've given it a bit of a, a whirl around in the glass as well that that that, that farmyard is, is, is very very subtle i'm i'm still picking up uh maybe a lot of sherbet hints a lot of um citrus on 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 the nose um on on the flavor that there is some of that citrus again i'm getting Hardly any of the pepperiness that, that, that you talk about that, that you'd maybe expect to see there. Again, there's very, very subtle funk on, on the flavour, um, but it does finish really, really dry. It is a, it is a really refreshing beer. I, I think the subtle funk is quite a nice way of describing it, actually. It's, um, it's very well balanced. I think um, I've had that, this out of the fridge for about five minutes now. In fact, I think you could probably go straight from fridge to glass, keep it quite minimal, and this would be a massively refreshing drink on a hot summer's day. Just a little bit uh, about the beer before before we do crack on. So um, this is this is back by popular demand for 2020. It's a it's a fan favourite from Signature Brew. Um, they considered cancelling festival, but then they thought, no, it's been bad enough that we can't watch bands in a field with our friends. Why should everything be good be cancelled? Um, so it's back again. One of their most popular seasonals. It is dry hopped. Um, and I'm wondering if that's lending itself to the the, the, the big citrus sort of Palau-esque notes that I'm picking up. Maybe that late edition of, of, of the hops is, is is taking it more to that side of the, the, the spectrum rather than to the funky side of the spectrum. It's quite possible because you'd expect that dry hopping often to be those first few notes that you get either on the aroma or on your palate. And... Actually, the more, you, again, the more you've spoken about it, the more it's coming through for me. So I do see where you're coming from. I think maybe I was looking for the saison-y type of characteristics anyway, just to see where it's sat in those uh, classic saisons that we're maybe used to. You know, I've had a, a couple of saison DuPonts recently, which 
would definitely fall into the classic category. Um, but this is massively refreshing. Nice carbonation, nice colour, good head. It's very clean beer as well. Um, very, I think it feels very accomplished. I can see why it's one of their favourite seasonals. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I would quite happily sit in a field um, with, with the sun beating down on me, listening to live music, drinking this. Um, I mean, it's been, it's been great this weekend. I've been revisiting some of the Glastonbury sets that the BBC are playing on iPlayer. And, and I could have actually pictured myself at Glastonbury drinking this and watching the foos. Well, that's not a bad way to spend a bit of time, Steve. No, no, it's it, it's not. It's, it's not in, in, indeed. But unfortunately, as none of us uh, are able to do that this year, we're we're making the best with with what we've got. But not for much longer, it, it would seem, because as as we mentioned at the at the outset of the show, um, this is going to be uh, a little bit of a different show for for us this week because we did get the big news this week that the, the pubs and restaurants and some of the hospitality sector can start to reopen from the 4th of July. Um, so essentially what we've done is, is we've stripped everything out of the show uh, apart from the news and the five opinions polls that, that we did on the back of that announcement, haven't we? Yeah, not satisfied with one poll, not satisfied with two polls. Let's do five all in one go on a Tuesday afternoon. I think it's because people keep saying to us, we're really enjoying that shorter format of the show. So here we are. Right. Okay. Then we'll, we're going to put five polls in and, and yes. we'll see how short we can make that one. And yeah, so basically we stripped out everything. Basically we've got the news and we've got polls. Yeah. And then a the little bit of feedback at the end. So um, let's, let's dive straight into it because uh, this first beer is kind of rapidly evaporating from my yeah. glass and, and I, I need to talk for a bit to, to stop me from drinking it. So as, as I said, uh, the big news was that, that the pubs can reopen from the 4th of July uh, on, on the back of the announcement that was made on Tuesday of yep. this this past week as, as we recalled um, the government then published uh, guidance uh, which had the catchy title of Keeping Workers and Customers Safe During COVID-19 in Restaurants, Pubs, Bars and Takeaway Services. Um, a 43-page 40, document. We will put a link in the show notes if you've not already found it and read it and you've got an interest in reading it. It's, it's there, it's easy to find, but there is a link in the show notes. So having, having both read through the, the, the document and the guidance, there, there are a number of key points that, that, that we've pulled out of it that, that I think this is probably what most people found in terms of them, them, them being the key points. So um, firstly, obviously, as, as a guidance document, it does set out the guidance and it gives practical considerations to, to, to venues in terms of how they can reopen. Um, but the key thing is that each business will need to take that and translate it to their own particular venue and staff needs as well. Um, a, a, an absolute key point within there for me was that this, this guidance doesn't supersede any health and safety legal obligations. They, that they, they are still in place and, and this, this is to be taken alongside um, existing health and safety requirements. Um, and that the one thing that all venues wishing to reopen must do is to complete an appropriate COVID-19 risk assessment before they can actually open. Um, so, so they were kind of, uh, I suppose, the four real headlines that I pulled out of it. Um, I think yes, and on top of that, you are effectively as employer, owner, licensee, you are given a, st a statement of accountability, Yes. i.e. you are saying that you've not only carried out the risk assessment, 
you have specifically ticked off those five steps and then signed, dated and returned that comment as well, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And, and interestingly enough, within, within the guidance, it also includes kind of a template risk assessment, which you then get back with, to show that you've ticked everything off and, and is signed off. And I, I noticed for the first time the other day when I was out walking, as I walked through a couple of my local shopping centers here, that I actually noticed a couple of those being displayed in the public notice boards. Now, I don't know whether they've always been there since those shopping centers have reopened or whether it's just that having read this document that my awareness is a little bit heightened now to that sort of thing and it was interesting i was like oh i recognize that that's oh they've done their risk assessment so i'm, I'm wondering if it's one of these things that's going to become almost commonplace in in venues that you'll be looking for potentially because i read for like you i did go through the document and i can see bits in there that will apply to my workplace and my workplace in no shape or form resembles a pub bar or restaurant but there are definitely elements of it that will be the same i mean one of the examples from the uh, the five steps to safer working together. Uh, we have taken all reasonable steps to help people work from home. Now, for most bars and restaurants, unless you are literally in accounts or back of house, you are not working from home, but you still have to say you've taken all reasonable steps. We've taken all reasonable steps to maintain a two meter distance to the workplace is still one of the, one of the things they're signing up to say even though we now know one meter plus with risk mitigation is, is allowed. So I can see that these steps will be um, pretty much the five steps that any employer, CEO, licensee, owner is signing up to for the foreseeable future, to be honest. And you are literally, you are signing up to that and you're going to be accountable for that. And you'll be held accountable if there's a, spot check for example or you get reported because someone does a bit of a whistleblower for example um this is going to be part of this is the new way of working this yeah. is going to be a new onus this is a on as you said at the start this is in addition to yeah and um, from, from in what, place of from, from what i understand as well the, the obviously with, with this being in terms of alcohol and licensing laws that, that, that can impact in, on it as well is, is that should um, a spot check take place and some of these, these um, measures not be in place, then actually fines can be issued as well for, for non-compliance uh, around these. So although it's not necessarily legislation, if, if you're demonstrating that you're not following the guidance, you can get fined for it. Which, I, to be fair, I think it's appropriate. I mean, we are we are talking still about a global pandemic, a public health emergency, and that is the first sentence of the guidance. This is a public health emergency. Yeah, and, and that's very clear throughout the guidance. As yeah, well. and maybe a bit of a tangent. I think the public health emergency message has got lost in the general day-to-day -day discussions about anything to do with the pandemic we are currently living through. But this is a public health emergency. And it's not a phrase I've heard used very often, if at all, in my lifetime. Same here. It's something I've never heard. I think I think maybe we got a little bit lost with three statement slogans, didn't we? Yeah. Um, somewhere along the line. Um, whereas if we had had it clear, this is a public health emergency, maybe that would have been um, a better way to go. Yeah. And it still is. I think that's the bit. Maybe yeah. what they should have done when they were changing the uh, the messaging 
is quite clear you say this is still a public health emergency that hasn't changed and no. that may be the the bit that for wider the wider community the wider way of working the wider way of living has been a little bit lost in in uh, some of the messaging over the last couple of weeks yeah and certainly you know as as, as we've begun to, to reopen more and more of of, of 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 things and ease the lockdown um I, th I think we are seeing that message being diluted even further so i think i think there's still a responsibility on on us as individuals and and the general public to to have a bit of awareness about us as, as we go through our day-to-day -day life um that there are just well a, i'm sure we'll get i'm sure we'll get onto the general public at some point steve I, oh i i imagine i imagine we will um there are just another <laughs> couple of uh points i wanted to pull out um that, that i made notes of here so um businesses are required to calculate the maximum number of customers that can follow social distancing guidelines safely inside their venue uh they have to look at how people are moving through their venue so from when they're coming in what that public's what that person's journey is as, as they as they go through the venue um and also asking customers to remain at their tables where possible now, now obviously a lot of that we're going to get into some of the specifics with, with with some of the polls um now one of the clearest translations of all of this that i saw was from Steve uh, at Beer Nouveau, who in, in typical Steve fashion has been quite vocal about all of this, but a, a lot of his um, tweets about it this week have been spot on. And um, what we'll do is we'll put some links in the show notes to, to some of these specific comments if you want to go back to have a look at those. But the one that I thought was the, the, the clearest translation was, um, in short, when setting out your risk assessment, if it can be touched, you need gloves. If it's near someone else, you need to wear a face covering. Um, and, and I thought that was quite to the point in terms of how you translate this to your business. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Steve is very good at disseminating information um and i don't know if that's either just his character or, or his past work life before he started doing the brewing full time curiously though and we had a little bit of a side conversation about this over the weekend for all this guidance the actual bit about face coverings is in the last quarter of the 43 page document which i found i had to admit i found a bit strange because it's one of the more obvious things and my experience with uh work is that the longer the document if you really want people to pick out the pertinent bits you have that early on yeah and some of the other guidance don't get me wrong is still important but the obvious thing the thing that has been talked about so much since day one or we're pre-day one of lockdown was about face masks and that comes in so late in the actual document. I'm just not convinced everyone's going to get there. No, it's a top tip for people that write reports, strategies, guidance. That's what your executive summary is for. You put your key points in that so that people actually then go on and read to find the key points that are in the executive summary at the beginning. Yes, agreed. And I just thought, because you said to me, oh, it's at the back end of it. So, yeah, I got there. But I thought, huh. It was quite a way into the document to have a bit yeah. about face mark, face coverings. I'm still a bit unsure about what they actually mean by it, to be honest. Well, you, you can't you can't drink through a face covering, can you? You're going to no. have to remove it. As, as a customer, you're going to have to, to, to remove that face mask to be able to drink your beer. And as far as I see it, once you take it off, there's no point putting it back on again because you've already breathed. You're, yes. you're, 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 you're 
liquid, for want of a better phrase, is already out there in the atmosphere. <laughs> I would say that there's a lot of it around. Um, yeah, but yeah. But, I just, like I said, it just was it just was odd where it was placed. Yeah, yeah. But the flip side of that is, as as a server bringing your beers to the table or your drinks to the table, you don't necessarily, at the moment, want them breathing over your pint, do you? No. So, so maybe you would expect to see your server wearing some sort of face covering. And I think the whole thing, uh, and again, this isn't a, I don't think this is anything new. I think the thing about face coverings, and yes, the science is still a little bit out for judgment on this, but it's about a confidence thing as well. You give confidence to the server, you give confidence to the person being served. And hopefully the additional benefit is that there is some form of protection. Let's, 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 let's assume it's not 100%. Most people seem to agree on that. But it's probably not zero either. So let's, let's all give people a bit of confidence. Let's all go, work with it. Now, now obviously, as, as, as a result of that guidance coming out, um, this, this did prompt the, the five polls that, that, that we put together and put out on, on Tuesday. And we ran those for uh, a few days rather than just the 24 hours. Um, and on the back of our polls... A uh, friend of the show, Mark Johnson, um, as as he always that seems to do. Uh, I think what was it I called it? Harmonious synchronicity. Um, wrote an excellent um, post about pub reopenings, specific questions answered, um, and was saying to people that they can blame us for for providing him with the ammunition. Now I, I thoroughly enjoyed reading Mark's piece as I always do, um, with him going into his thoughts around each of our polls, but also adding a little bit more. Um, and, and the real key point for, for me that, that that came out time and time again through through Mark's writing was that this will not be forever, that this this is for now and, and this is to protect us now. It isn't always going to be like this. We just need to be a little bit patient, maybe. Yeah, I mean, you know, Mark's a busy boy at the moment, isn't he? Because obviously he has got his day job. Uh, he he's got his he's got his chickens. He's got his consultancy work for the Irish and German authorities as well, which may or may not be true. But obviously we can't possibly comment on that. Um, as well as writing these blog posts, um, what I, I do want to say is I want to refer back to the one he did a couple of months ago, where he had his what was it seven or eight suggestions about how a pub might look. I don't think he was a million miles away here. I don't um, think he was actually, no. And I was quite surprised to find that, for example, something we haven't touched upon in the polls um, was that uh, it came out that some bars had started to set up a bit of plastic screening around the bar. And I thought, well, why? Because no one's going to be allowed to go to the bar. That was always an obvious thing. The bar is now out of bounds. Yeah, and that was quite clear in the guidance as well, wasn't yeah. it? That it should be discouraged. Yeah. Um, um, and uh, But that was something Mark had come up with. Mark's, you know, just a, a, literally, like you and I, he's a punter. And he said, well, you won't be able to go to the bar. I won't be able to be the one sitting in front of the bar, the bar pump clips. You know, so Mark's post from a couple of months ago, I think, was, you know, uh, fairly fairly well thought out. I think, again, this one was really well thought out, very rational. Um, and, you know, like you say, it's now. It's for now. And now is actually quite a short time. People are talking about this like it's been going on forever. It hasn't. 
Well, it's, so, it hasn't even started yet as yeah. time of recording, has it? So, and even by the time of release, it won't have started. So let's, as we go through this, try and remember that hopefully this is for a period of time and judging by some of the uh, information coming out from the governments and the news services, the, the work on producing a vaccine is progressing. Now, even if it's a year, that's still phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is, especially when you bear in mind that um, I remember reading or, or, or watching a, a program a few weeks back where there's, there's still no vaccine for SARS. And that's been with us for almost 20 years now. Yeah, the first time I think I became aware of SARS was 2002, 2003. Yeah. And yeah, so, you know, um, and as a Liverpool fan, I've been waiting 30 years for this moment I've had this week. So, you know, the fact that we're in X amount of time for what could be a very short period, let's go with it. If it means we can have something, that something is probably better than nothing. Absolutely agree, mate. And, and let's, let, let's never forget also that all of this is being done for our own safety and, and, and for the safety of our loved ones as well. So um, let's, let's bear that in mind as, as, as we go through some of this. So uh, there will be a link in the show notes to, to, to Mark's post as, as well. It's going to be a lot of links in these show notes, folks. Um, so if, if, if it's going to be a lot of links. You have to pay attention to these show notes. Yeah, so if there is anything that you hear as we go through, hopefully we've linked it through in the show notes for you to, to read further if you haven't already. Um, so without uh, any further delay, let's get into the first of the questions. Opinions, 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 opinions. Just want to say before we get into the polls that collectively across these five polls, we had over 2,000 votes uh, this, this week, which has been absolutely fantastic. And we're really grateful for all of that input. Um, obviously, we've only taken a snapshot of some of the comments within these polls, and there were a lot, lot more comments. There is a link in the show notes. To, um, <laughs> more links in the show notes, Steve. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this isn't to the polls, but it's to a Twitter moments, which is kind of all the polls collected in one place. So if you do want to click through on that, you can click through and you can read through all the five polls and all the many, many wonderful responses we've had. So just want to say once again, thank you to everybody that did take the time to, to vote and put down their thoughts on, on these polls as well. So poll number one was, uh, will you be happy to register when you visit your local? We had 382 votes on this, 69.8% of people said yes, 30.2% of people said no. First up from Johnny Beerboy at Johnny Beerboy. More than happy to register as I basically register and divulge my details to multiple en in entities on a daily basis on the internet when signing up for account accounts, making purchases, etc. So unfortunately, I gave up being anonymous a long time ago. We have very similar comments to that from James at James Moose, Moose and Beer and Bino at Garnham Dean. John Edwards at John Edwards 7175. GDPR is a concern here, though. How this data will be stored? When will they be destroyed? Are they being collected or remaining in the pub until needed? Again, similar comments from Lou Stringer at Lou Stringer, Nate at Nate Dog 27, and at Slippers Robert. 
from Nick Bowley at Nick BSE. If I were a symptomatic COVID spreader, wouldn't it be great to know that everyone who has been to the pub could be warned? If track and trace is going to work, this sort of thing is needed. And for those who don't like giving their details, nothing to hide, nothing to fear. From Simon Clark at Simon Carbon, happy to register. If I didn't, it would make track and trace harder. Why be obstructive to making that work, even though it's pretty broken before it started? From David Martin at RDG Martin, I suspect that there will be a lot of people registering under pseudonyms. And then from Steve at Beer Nouveau, seeing lots of people saying they'll give false details when asked for them going into a pub. That's entirely up to you. But let's say two weeks after you visit, someone else who was in the bar at the same time of you dies of coronavirus. So the NHS tried to trace all the people they may have come into contact with and know from their friends that they were in that pub. The NHS then tried to get in contact with all the other customers to try and warn them that they were in direct contact with someone who had COVID, but they couldn't find you. They can't warn you to get, test to get you tested, to isolate or to make sure that you're okay. And why can't they? Because they're wasting their time looking for Mr. M Mouse. So either don't be fucking selfish or don't come to the pubs. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, Steve almost <laughs> summing up my thoughts there in, in, in that one. Um, so, so that's, that's, that's the first one and uh, a selection of, of, of responses. Before we give our thoughts, uh, I do just want to pick out on a couple of the points from the guidance that, that support this poll. Um, so firstly, this is where the guidance talks about um, that it's supporting the NHS test and trace uh, and that you should assist this service by keeping a temporary record of your customers and visitors for 21 days. And if you do not already do this, you should do this to help fight the virus and contain outbreaks. So it's quite clear in the guidance that you should be doing this it should be collecting the data of the people using the venue um what are your thoughts on 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 this one in particular mate well i suppose the first thing is would i be happy to register when you visit your local yes is the answer um i bit like johnny beer boy my details are out there on a regular basis you know uh i i use social media quite extensively either just when i'm talking about my own general shit or talking about stuff we do with the show across a number of platforms um i purchase plenty of stuff online on a regular basis therefore the companies the delivery services so many people have my name and address anyway electoral register name and address so if i'm being honest let's assume that the very basic level of detail you have to give registering for to be contacted is your name and your and your mobile number so that you can receive a text from the NHS should say come up in 21 days. No, I, as a punter, I have no problem with that. As a uh, business who've never had to get involved in GDPR before, then yes, I think there probably are challenges. How do you collate the data? How do you collect the data? How do you store the data? And most importantly, how do you delete that data after a certain amount of time? Um, these are all these are challenges. I think for some places you can make it as simple as a written register per day, two pages, pull them out, 21 days later, bin them, burn them, whatever you want to do. I'm not saying anyone's going to do that route, but just as an example, and I think Boken Bailey wrote about that in a recent post as well. Um, but yeah, I think if you've got nothing to worry about, then give those details. I'd rather know if I'd come into contact with someone 
is the UK's test and trace perfect? Like everything else we've done? Of course it ain't. But then say I went to the Vic and let's assume Rich didn't know my details already. But he might say, Martin, you might want to know, seven days ago, one of our regulars were in, but we subsequently found out he's gone to hospital with COVID. I'd want to know. We're all in this together. We all have a vested interest in this country not having a second wave. Whether we punters or publicans, we, have a, we all have a vested interest. Like I said the other week, if this country goes to shit a second time, we are truly fucked. We're fucked now, but seriously, it'll be all capital letters, bold and underlined next time. Yeah. So we all have a vested interest in it not happening a second time. Would I register? Yes. Do I, do I trust people to look after my data correctly? I give my data out all the time to big and small companies alike. So yes, I do. If, if it doesn't happen, then that's because someone's deliberately decided to be fraudulent in what they do with the data, in which case they probably would have been fraudulent about something at some point with regard to me. So, yeah, and, that's, and that's a different matter, isn't it? It's exactly. How well, they're mis potentially misusing the data. Yeah. So, what, what's your what would what would you have voted, Steve? I I am very much aligned to, to to your thinking and a lot of the comments here. I'm I'm a yes on this. I'm quite happy to register to to visit a, a, a pub. Um, you know, I'm from my own personal standpoint. When when I do eventually decide to to, to, to go back to a pub and and to have a pint in a pub, I'm I'm only going to go to somewhere that I trust anyway, um, and. That's, so therefore, I suppose it comes in what you were saying there. It's not really an issue. You, you know, I trust that if I, if I go to the, to, to the Vic on a certain date and Rich is working and it transpires that there was, there, there was someone with, with COVID in there on that day, I, I would have probably already given my details anyway. But if I hadn't, I would, would, would expect, you know, just a message from Rich because he is a mate to say, oh, you were in on the same night as, as we have a potential um, spread of the infection so I'm, I'm more than happy to give my data um, I, I do get quite angry at people saying that they're going to refuse to give their data or they're actively going to give false names because it's it's not a lot to ask to keep not only yourself but your loved ones and others safe is it it's, it's you know it's not a lot to ask no we a number of most of us we drive a car, we have a license, that links to our details as well. So we know that if we go through a red light uh, at any point, someone can find us. I'm fine with that. I've done wrong. Get get me. If something has happened, then let me know. That's all I'm asking for. Times have changed. I'd rather know. And communication is so easy these days. Why would you... I'd rather someone didn't get their details than waste people's time with false details. Yeah, you know what? Because actually, if you don't give you these details, then it's your own fault if something happens to you as a result of. of well, I think you've uh, if you give. Uh, I do. I do truly believe there should again. If there's a statement of accountability for people who run these venues and are putting their health and safety on the line, then if you decide you're either going to actively lie or withhold information, you should opt out from treatment. Yeah, well, surely as well as as, as a venue. If, if somebody's registering either beforehand or as they come into the pub, you're going to be checking their details as they're putting them down. So if somebody actually writes Mr. M Mouse, I'm, I would be like, can, can you show me your identification, please? 
because yeah, I don't think I mean, that's yeah. you. Even if let's say let's say they don't go for the obvious Mr. Red Mouse, but even a pseudonym that you know uh, my my favourite TV character ever played Doctor Who was always John Smith, and that would be a hard one to spot for a lot of people because is is Mr. Smith that common these days? For our age group, Mr. Smith would raise alarm bells. But if you're 18 years old working in spoons on a zero hours contract, are you going to give a monkeys about Mr. S. Smith? I would just say, why, why the hell are you putting that down in the first place? Looks like uh, you and I were pretty much aligned on that first one, mate. And our thoughts also echoed, echoed the thoughts of a lot of people uh, who made comments on that poll. So let's have a look at poll number two. Are you happy to pre-book a visit to the pub? So we had 502 votes. Yes, 62.9%. No, 37.1%. So let's dig into some of these comments then. Having to pre-book a spot at a pub takes away the casual nature of the place and would ruin its unique, relaxed atmosphere, in my opinion. If I want a restaurant environment, I'll book a table at one of those instead. And that's from Darren Ramage at Darren underscore Ramage. And we did have quite a few comments very similar to this. So from Luan Brew, Beer and Bino, 4P, Justin and Tour de Hops. From Richard Weir at rich underscore W27. If this is what it takes in these early stages of pub life returning, then yes. I expect we'll have more of a cafe style feeling to them, which will be a change from my UK pub visiting habits. Like most have commented on Mr. Spontaneity of going in whenever. From at ALM Metal, I usually pre book my local brew dog if going in a group of six or more. We often go out as the big extended family, you see but I do like the occasional pint on a whim if out shopping. Richard Hawkins, I'm happy to, but what happens to pubs when groups fail to turn up for their pre-booked tables? All that lost trade, unless they can accept walk-ups to fill the space. And then what's the point of pre-booking? And this was echoed by my lovely wife, Michelle Oates, at Ginger Daniels 13. From Paul at UNRCD, surely it has to be time restrictive. How can a pub plan ahead if they don't know if a table is going to be busy for 20 minutes or for four hours? So again, thank you very much for all the votes, all the comments. This is still only a snapshot of all of that. But Steve, what's your thoughts on poll number two? Are you happy to pre-book a visit to the pub? Yes, I, I am, actually. We do it in so many other walks of life without even really thinking about it, don't we? If we want to go to uh, a, a particular restaurant at a particular time, we'll, we'll pre-book. You want to go and see a film you, you have to pre-book you, you can't just you, you can just rock up but you're taking a, a chance that there'll be no seats left concerts sporting events you, you you pre-book most of your leisure entertainment don't you so for, for me it wouldn't it wouldn't really be an issue i, I think probably the, the the only the only issue in there in there is to pick up on two of the comments um the one that was made by richard and michelle about you know essentially time wasters who have, have pre-booked a slot and then don't turn up that's that's a loss of income for for, for the pub um and and then the second one would be paul's comment around well when if you're pre-booking are you pre-booking a slot so are we going down the route of of restaurants that have particular sit-ins at certain times so i i i will book a table for the six o'clock sitting but i know that i have to leave at half past seven because the next sitting is at eight o'clock 
and, and so on and so on. So that, that would be my, my only caveats on that. Although this is, this is probably the one out of the five polls that hasn't, hasn't really come up at all. It's, it's not mentioned in the guidance. At no, all. And there's it's, nothing, is there? No, and it's, it's certainly it. not something where any particular pubs have said, we are going to do this. You're going to have to book in advance to come to us uh, at the moment. Certainly not from what I've seen, but personally, I'm quite happy to pre-book if I, if I want to go to a pub. Yes, it takes away the spontaneity and it certainly rules out any potential of doing any sort of pub crawls right now. Um, but I understand that because this isn't forever, I would be happy to, to, to book right now. What, what about yourself, mate? How, how's your thinking on this one? Pretty much the same. I mean, yes, it takes away the spontaneity, but how often do I spontaneously say I need to go to a pub without arranging to meet anyone? or having fought out my day doesn't really happen that often to be honest like you say restaurants uh cinemas to take two very obvious examples i always pre-book those just to guarantee table and or seats where i want to be if it's if it's what i need to do for me to go to the pub and if it's what the pub needs to do to feel that they can service me as a as a punter i'll go with it it doesn't i don't feel it as a problem Life has changed. It's probably easier to accept it than to fight against it. Rather than rage against the machine, just go with it. I think, I think that's the underlying message here, isn't it, Through, throughout all of these. Um, now, going through those first two polls, we, we have finished the festival saison from uh, Signature Brew, the dry hop saison. Um, final thoughts on the BMA? Really enjoyed it. Um, I, 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 I did, would, actually. I really I would, enjoyed it. I would like to have it colder. Um, I would like to have it on draft, uh, maybe at Signature Brew when there was a bit of a live act going on. And I could just have maybe a bit of sunshine outside, in the shade in Signature Brew, enjoy the beer, a bit more chilled. I think it would be even better then as well. Next beer, from uh, again, from our friends at Signature Brew. Um, what have we got this time, mate? I have to admit, I'm really looking forward to this one. C Sharp, 4.5%. Sicilian lemon and citra sour. I'm sort of picturing a bit of a old-fashioned lemonade kind of vibe to this beer. That's what I'm really hopeful of, actually. So I'm not, I'm not worried about this, even though it's got the S word in it. Um, I am hoping for that kind of Victorian lemonade, refreshing, tart, puckering sort of feel to it. Yeah, same here. That's what I'm going for. So oh, let's find out. Start Cheers. In. Cheers. Okay, that's pretty much everything I hoped and wanted. Yeah, it's um, that isn't sour at all. Um, there's, there's, it's, there's a hint it's of all, sour. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a there's a bit of a, a a dry sourness to it, um, but it's got so much lemon. Mm. The lemon is running all the way through it, and it is very it is dry at the back end of it. The aroma was lovely. Taste is lovely. Not really picking up much of the four and a half percent alcohol. I have to admit, it's really light, isn't it? I mean, it's, yeah. it's it's really light. It's it's so refreshing. Um, again, this one is absolutely smashable. You could have this as a mixer almost with a gin. I think you could. Yeah, you know, you know? really, you know, uh, not uh, so, so, especially with some of the newer gins, which are very heavily flavoured. But if you go for a very clean gin, maybe like uh, the Adams Copperhouse, which is just like you a dry gin, 
and you added this to it, I reckon you'd have a very, very nice drink. Actually, I'm just wondering how much I've got left in the can. I might actually save a little bit of that to see what it's on with the gin now. You know, you know what? I was just sitting here pondering <laughs> that because I'm like, I've, I've, got a, I've got a second can and I've got some ice and I've got a gin that I think could work really nice. Um, let's carry on through these polls and let's see if we do get to that point where we feel <laughs> as though we, we need to use this um, signature brew C sharp as, as a mix for gin. Um, <laughs> Let's let's see if our, the, the thoughts of some of our listeners drive us to, to, to that as we go through. So poll number three um, asked the question, will you feel comfortable at one metre social distancing in the pub? 519 votes on this one. Uh, 43.7 said yes. 56.3 said no. Um, now, within the guidance... Um, basically that the key points here were uh, that there may be a need to restrict access to some areas um, to assign workers to specific areas and also to look at one-way flow routes through the building and that actually two meters is still the rule but one meter is the mitigation and, and mit mitigation would also include things like face coverings regular hand washing regular sanitizing, uh, limiting the capacity and what ventilation you have. So th this is something that is mentioned quite a lot in that guidance, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think would they say to risk mitigation, I mean, obviously they go from two meters and they're very specific. It says one meter plus every time as well. Yeah. They're very specific on the one meter plus. Um, and uh, then it's talking about uh, uh, minimizing face to face, side on, back to back, um, it should be part of your risk mitigation. So if you can't do the two metres, find another way to risk mitigate. Yeah. And um, again, uh, our friend of the show, Steve from Binavo said, uh, summed this up quite nicely with, can someone walk from the door to their table with two metres either side of them? If not, that's when the mitigations come into play in, in terms of what you have to consider. Two metres, I think, was always the maximum. I think we spoke about that before, Steve, that we were one of the very few countries who had adopted the two-metre rule. Most countries had found somewhere between one and two to be the most comfortable for them. I think for the government, they probably, if they were going to say yes to opening, they probably had to relax two metres. Yeah, well, because what was it? It went from opening with... 30% capacity to opening with 70% capacity yeah, wasn't it with exactly with the reduction um well let's let's get into some of the comments that we had on this one so from James Calder at JM Calder 101 two meters is safer than one meter but one meter with mitigations is safe Rich Cooler at Rich Cooler yes but only in some pubs and definitely not for the first weekend when they reopen Beer and Beano at Garnham Dean. I would be comfortable, but I'm treating patients every day and get hands on. So my experience is different to many. One meters is fine, but given that some people can't stick to two meters and ignore other rules put in place for their protection, I don't think it will be observed. From Chicken Dipper at Graham Salander. No, people can't be trusted to keep two meters apart when they're sober. Add in a couple of pints and it will be mayhem. Too many people think this is all over and I don't want to be around large, large groups of strangers, strangers fueled by booze. Lots of similar comments here. So from Mike McGuire, Sean O'Reilly, Sarah Maxfield, Paul Briley and Susie all had the same view on that one. 
Uh, from the Owl Lady at the Owl Lady, not at all. It's making me emotional. I adore my local pub and want to support it, but with, with the ignorance I've witnessed on the few times I've ventured out, my trust in others is through the floor. I'd love to see someone else apart from the mothership, but it's not worth the risk. From your boy at Rob Edwards at Rob Edwards 90, I wouldn't trust someone not to spit at me when they talk from a metre away. In a similar vein from drinking beer at Hazy Davy 69, a sneeze will carry eight metres. Now that sounded like a very scientific fact to me. So I did look this one up as well. I did a fact check on this and I found this was from National Geographic that um, Lydia Boriba, who was a fluid, fluid dynamics scientist at MIT, used high speed cameras to light and reveal how expulsions from the human body can spread pathogens such as the novel coronavirus. Slow to 2000 frames per second, video and images from her lab show that a fine mist of mucus and saliva can burst from a person's mouth at nearly 100 miles an hour and travel as far as 27 feet, which is 8.22 meters. So well done, Hazy Davis. For, for giving us one of the first verified facts on opinions. Ever. Uh, ever, yeah. And then finally from Ronnie Bean at Ronnie Bean, the guys who don't wash their hands after using the bathroom are going to observe social distancing? Question mark. Good luck with that. Uh, the last comment reminds me of men behaving badly, if I'm being absolutely honest, with the uh, pissy hands residue, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yes, that was the one, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> And 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 to be fair to Ron, I don't think he's wrong about that bit. I, I don't think he's I don't think he's wrong about it at, at all. So um, where do you go on this one, mate? Well, let's be honest. Um, most people so far have probably experienced um, our fellow British public. Some people not being able to observe two meters anyway, whether that be out for a run, a walk, or just observing it on social media. Two meters was difficult, and one meter. What I I agree that, as I said in the, off the back of the last poll, they probably had to do it. I still doubt whether people can suddenly compute one meter or even want to. I mean, for me, I've never been a fan of what I class as space invaders. You know, people mm. who, even if you know them well, get a bit too close when you're having a conversation. For me, it feels like there's a natural distance you keep apart from certain people. Other than your proper nearest and dearest, there's a space. And some people can't observe that at the best of times in this day and age, let alone in the pub, let alone alcohol-fueled, and with a virus on top. Um, but at least there are guidelines. At least you can say to someone, back off. There is a rationale, clear rationale for people for people to say, Back off a little bit, please. Uh, will I be comfortable? I think we probably get into the, the realms of... I've gone to supermarkets, not very often. I haven't really gone anywhere else, to be honest, where I've had to do the whole meter thing, apart from when I've run past people who, like couples, for a brief moment, can't go single file. They have to still walk hand in hand because they are so much in love. But I think it will come down to that bit where you're throwing the alcohol into the mix and all of us bar no one, our judgment is always impaired when we throw alcohol into the mix. Um, and that's why people have been told for the last 35, 40 years, don't drink and drive because our judgment is impaired when we drink. So what we're doing is we're asking people to drink and keep their judgment about safe distance. 
yeah, it's confidence. It's more confidence in other people again, which I think is probably a little bit of a theme developing. I, I'm confident in me and I'm pretty confident in people I know and trust. And I'm pretty confident in people I know and trust who run places. It's the everyone else. One meter had to happen for it to open. For that, for a pubs and bars and restaurants to open, one meter had to happen. Am I comfortable with it? Jury's out. I don't. I don't think I can add any more to that. Um, I echo every single comment you've, you've said. You, you know, I've I, I've been out on on enough walks now in in the last few months to notice that people still can't manage even on the widest of paths to stay two meters away from you. They still feel the need to walk right next to you. And and like you say, when you bring in the that you've got to trust somebody else's judgment that's been fueled with alcohol. Nah. I'm, I'm not interested. Thank, thank you very much. I'll, I, I can, I'll look after myself for, for now because I know I can do that. Um, but I'm not going to put my trust in someone else. Maybe the next poll uh, will go some way to mitigating some of these concerns that we've got about people's behaviour. So poll number four, mate, what was this that we were asking? Are you happy to visit the pub for table service only? So we had 366 votes. 80.3% said yes. And 19.7% said no. So again, thank you again for all the votes and all the comments. From Paul at UNRCD, I think it would be a benefit, but puts a lot of work workload on the staff. Also, tipping becomes a big issue in pubs. I'm happy to tip staff. I would be happy to, to, to tip 10 to 15% of the bar bill. Not sure most would. From Rowan Molyneux at Rowan Molyneux. Yes, with the proviso that the site is adequately set up for it and there are enough staff who have been properly trained. From Tom Tapped at Tom underscore Tapped. I'll do in the short term, but it takes away the spontaneity personally. Sometimes I like to stand to watch the footy or stick a quick one at the bar while waiting for a train, for example. Plus, I would feel guilty if I was alone and take it up a table. Nate at Nate Dog 27 Honestly, Whenever I come back from Germany or Czech Republic, I really miss table service for drinks. To make it work here, though, pubs will need to make sure they have printed menus on every table. And similar comments from Riverman Brews, uh, Ness Everly at Ness Everly, and Johnny Beerboy at Johnny Beerboy. And there was a follow-up comment and a bit of an exchange which you, you got involved in, Steve, from uh, Owen, Owen Walsh. Is British-Irish pub culture so different from continental drinking traditions they couldn't take what's worked elsewhere and apply it to their own situations as opposed to tying themselves up in knots with one meter plus dot 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 question mark so my co-host response couldn't help stuck. myself i'm sorry i really couldn't no. help myself on this one because bearing in mind your golden rule steve is i don't respond but you felt you had to say the following stuck in our ways or stubborn would be other ways of describing it Personally, I've always preferred the continental drinking tradition of table service over clamouring at the bar trying to get served. Much more civilised. From Josh Hales at Josh A. Hales. I love the continental system when I'm on the continent, but I love a bar system when I'm here. You could definitely call me stubborn and stuck in my ways. From Neil Hayden at Neil Hayden 73. Totally agree, Steve. Civilised is the perfect word. It just seems more relaxed. Plus, it's easier to tip staff if you're paying for your drinks all night and at the end of your visit, rather than as you're being served. From Adam Johnson, at maybe not a fad. It'd be lovely to think that we could do that. Unfortunately, I don't believe in the British public. 
looking at the behavior of some members of the British public in supermarkets doesn't convince me that yobs will sit politely for table service and not storm the bar five pints in. And finally, from Beckenalian at Beckenalian UK, table service is too slow in this country. By the time I come over, I could have necked two pints to quench my thirst. Plus staff often don't know what beers are on. It works in Germany in places like Cologne. The staff are all pros, there's a system and mainly one beer. But I'm not saying it can't work in the right venue with well-trained staff, menus, etc. Lots of comments uh, on this one, especially. I think perhaps because we're not so used to it. But um, you've obviously given your thoughts initially, Steve. Do you have anything to expand on that? No, uh, I am. I'm a definite hard yes on, on this one. I um, am more than happy to experience table service in, in, in this country. Um, I think I've gone on record many times in saying I'm not the biggest fan of people as, as it is. And every opportunity that I can get away from the, the maddening crowd and, and sit by myself with either Emma or a group of friends, um, maybe in a quieter corner, I would prefer that every, every day of the week. Um, I hate walking into a packed pub and looking at the bar and seeing it's two, three deep and thinking, how the fucking hell am I going to get to that bar um, to, to, to get a beer? Um, I like the idea of table service. I do like being in, in Europe and, and having table service and the, the particular sort of personal service that that brings and the, the experience and the knowledge that comes with it. But the, the, the caveat there is that I appreciate that the, the 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 pub trade and the history of pubs in this country is very very different from from that it is a very different culture um but no i am uh 100 table service on 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 this one um what about what about yourself mate um, quite simply put i i would agree with what joshua said as soon as i go to mainland europe my a switch flicks i'm ready for table service i'm ready for the fact you're running a tab at the bar you pay at the end you order as you go along I mean, obviously, Cologne's a very good example, but again, as pointed out, for a lot of these bars in Cologne, they are literally serving you one beer, so you don't even need a beer list. Um, at the UK, I've been very much programmed about going to the bar or staying at the bar. But where I am right now, if I could walk into any of my favourite places and all I had to do was go to the table that I wanted to be at and someone would come over to me in a couple of minutes once I've looked at a beer list, and would say, what would you like, sir? And I could order, if I wanted to, I could order maybe the latest West Coast Pale Ale and maybe a stout to follow up. I could order two beers at once because the stout will warm up in the glass. I would happily do that. I think that you and I, Steve, more than comfortable sitting down with our partners, our friends. We're not, we're not trying to compete with people. We're not trying to get anyone's attention other than the person serving us. In the UK, that whole bit about being at the bar has been a way to meet people as well. I think that will take a bit of getting used to for some people, taking that away. Oh, I don't, I don't disagree, but this, this is one of the things that's very clear in the guidance as, as well. So the, the key points from the guidance here is that um, reducing the number of services touched by staff and consumers, uh, for example, asking customers to remain at the table where possible, encouraging the use of contactless ordering from tables e.g through an app and indoor table service must be used where possible 
alongside further measures such as assigning a single member of staff per table. So it's very, very clear in saying if, if you're serving inside, people have got to remain at the table and you've got to have a staff member serving them. And, and that goes back to one of the earlier requirements, not requirements, one of the earlier suggestions saying that it actually should be a single server serving the same table all of the time or a group of tables. But obviously the, the minute that single server is then serving more than two or three tables that equates to more than six households, again, you're going against another set of guidelines. So I think I think we are yeah. going to see for the foreseeable future um, we're, we're going to see table service in bars and and like I say I personally wouldn't mind that because if I've got if I've got the menu on the on the table and it's it's the up to date beer menu like you say when that server comes over I can order myself a nice Palau or West Coast Palau a West Coast IPA and I can sit there and drink it. We've both been to places where you've got the menus on the table you can go through the the beers. It's such a nice feeling going just flicking through and knowing that someone's going to come up and order it. And the only two reasons you need to do is one, you're leaving or you're going to the loo. It's a lovely, it is a lovely experience. But I do think that of all the comments, Joshua probably nailed it by saying we're programmed for a lot of people in one, in one country to do it one way and in Europe another way. And it will, it will take a bit of getting used to, but again, let's come back to two things. One, it's not forever. And two, if this is what's needed for people to feel safe, then surely it's the best way forward. I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree with that, mate. Um, which, which leads us quite nicely into the, the, the final poll, which was, do you think it's still too soon to be reopening pubs, social distancing in place or not? So 444 votes to this one, 68.5% of people said yes, 31.5% said no. Um, some of the comments here from Ruth Mitchell at Beer Fairy, sadly, yes, mainly because there will be alcohol involved and therefore we, can't, we just can't be trusted to be sensible. Very similar comments from Beer O'Clock Brewing, Carl Gunner and Paul at UNRCD. From Ness Evely at Ness Evely, I fear it's way too soon. Last time I went food shopping, I spent the whole time jumping out of the way of other people. Add booze to the mix and there will be total, uh, total social distancing breakdown. From Simon Walkden at Mazzy Mixer. Tricky question as I can take a slightly different view with my business head and my thoughts about health. I went for no because we are taking what I believe are sensible precautions to customer safety. A lot of reliance though on customers helping us achieve it. From Simon Dewhurst at Simo Sloth. I'm going to take the unpopular opinion, but I think it's if the right precautions are in place, it isn't too early. Infections are continuing to, to fall and the majority of people abided by the lockdown rules, so should be trusted to follow them in pubs too. I understand the concerns of many people on Twitter, but personally, where I am, I will feel totally safe in my local pub, if, if not a big city pub. Plus, I really think the pubs need our support more than ever. From Mike Maguire at Maguire Mike, the recent decisions have been made with the economy in mind, which I can understand, but do not agree with. Decisions need to be made with health in mind. We've seen Germany have a spike after pubs and bars reopening. I hope we don't regret opening too early. And again, there are similar comments from Paul Brearley and Lou Stringer. From Jake Milne at Jay Milney, can I say yes and no? Pubs need it, people need it, 
but COVID is certainly not under control. And then the final comment this evening from John Rogers at JM Rogers 2000, not convinced anything's changed apart from a government leadership team bowing down to public and economic interests. And of course, public transport and toilets are the clinchers determining my decision to wait a good while yet. Lots of comments there and, and across the five polls, which we are very, very grateful for. Um, Martin, on this, this last one, um, what, what are your views on this one? Is it, is it too early to, I mean, to, to be relaxing social distancing a, a, across multiple sectors now? It's a, it's a big question, isn't it? And we knew that when we asked this question. Um, is it too soon? Well, if punters, publicans, and I include and staff, are comfortable or as comfortable as they can be then in principle the answer is no saturday is still a stupid day to reopen fucking bonkers um and let's let's remember as we mentioned earlier the virus has not gone away the virus is still not any less virulent it's too soon for me to put my trust in people i don't know is probably the best way of me summing it up i'm gonna wait and see i haven't put a timeline on that so it may well be that i feel comfortable on the 8th of july I don't know, but I will not be going on the 4th or 5th of July. We'll not be going on Saturday the 4th of July. We won't be going on Sunday the 5th of July. That's stupid. I'm going to wait and see. And I think the other thing here is that I have some pubs which are local to me, but I don't have a pub I consider as my local. The pub, my favourite pubs involve public transport, and therefore, if they're the pubs I would normally go to, they're the pubs I want to go to upon reopening but it also adds an additional layer for me that I have to use public transport to get there or I drive, in which case, and then I'm not drinking beer. For me, I think there's a judgment call for everyone concerned about whether it's the 4th of July is the right date. For me, it's still too early. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm with you in terms of the, it's still too early. And I do think it's crazy to do it on a Saturday. I have quite publicly said that I don't think I'm even considering it until September uh, at the earliest. I, I want to give it a couple of months. I want to give it the summer. Um, I want to see if we do start seeing those numbers creeping up again. And, and if we do, that would be the clearest indicator that it was it was too soon. From, from another point of view, and if I put my pro professional hat on for a second, um, some of our listeners will know, some won't, that, that, that my day job, um, un unsurprisingly enough, isn't in beer. Um, but my, my day job is, is working in the leisure sector and I am fucking astounded that we've opened up fast food, restaurant and pubs before we've opened up leisure centre, physical activity and health. Um, because what we are going to create is one of the unhealthiest nations that, that we've ever seen. And, and by that um, measure alone, this government is is very much failing on the promises of many governor, governments before it to to commit to an active and healthy nation. And now people may agree disagree with that statement. There, there is a document that you can go and read that was published in 2017, and and these government strategies run in four year cycles. So we're still in the current four year cycle of a document called Working Towards an Active and Healthy Nation yet we're keeping leisure centres and physical activity and gyms closed for now, quote from our glorious leader, um, because we need to be able to get a Big Mac, a haircut 
and a pint. Um, I'm sorry, but those priorities are all the wrong way round. Um, it's scientifically proven that being fit and healthy helps to beat this disease when you get it. Uh, yes, and I know a lot of people have found physical activity in the outside, but if this hits again in the middle of winter, people aren't going to exercise outside because it's cold and it's wet and you need places to be able to stay fit and healthy. And, and that part of that is, is very much the, the passionate side of my professional view to, to this. I, I, yes, I, you know, I'm here, I'm sat here, I'm drinking beer with you and I'm hosting a beer podcast, but I just think we've done it the wrong way round. I, I, I think, you, you know, ultimately though, leisure centers don't contribute to the economy, economy what alcohol tax does, do, do they? So that's, that's obviously what it all boils down to. I, I would agree with you, Steve. Um, I know that there would definitely be challenges with gyms opening up, with the equipment, with the environment, with the people. Um, but I've always been quite mindful at a gym of already, I already have hand sanitizer in every gym bag I take um, because I know that people will still turn up and do, if they're fixed on a workout, regardless of whether they've got uh, like a, a common cold or flu, they'll still do the workout. So I've always been quite conscious of that anyway. All I would be is more mindful, as well as taking my water, water bottle around the uh, workstations, I'd probably have wipes and or hand gel. Um, but on the, on the upside, I wouldn't be dealing with people who are drinking. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't take a lot to make the gym environment safe. It, yeah, it, it, it really doesn't. You have some stations which can't be used. The ones which are face to face, you probably maybe you might not be able to do spotting for people. So people who want to do pure weight sessions probably won't be able to do it. There are ways and means. Again, I know we're getting a little bit off topic, but I wouldn't disagree with you. I think as a bare minimum, if you're going to open Fourth of July for pubs, there should have been the option for the leisure centre for the leisure industry to have a way of doing it as well. Yeah, and as as we recalled right now leisure as an industry still has no date we've we've been told that our time is not now well that that doesn't help really um you, you know most leisure centers uh do run as businesses unfortunately and you know they're now at a point where they're as as as, as much help as the furlough scheme has been they're now simply not making any money they're, they're not hitting profit targets and that's going to start impacting on 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 staff and that there will, I believe, ultimately be huge numbers of redundancies across the leisure sector. And it is still a big, it is still a big employment sector with a number of self-employed people in there as well and zero contract hours. So there are going to be many, many challenges and difficulties ahead for that sector. But obviously we were, we were talking particularly about pubs and drinks. Um, I think some of the comments we've had over the five polls have been absolutely fantastic. and. I would love for people to carry on getting involved. Fantastic responses. And thank you to every single person that, that, that commented on one of those polls. And we're really sorry if we didn't read, read out your comment. It didn't mean that it wasn't valid. Um, it's just, we had a lot of content to, to, to get through there. But um, if you agree or disagree or want to continue this discussion, use the hashtag opinions uh, and we'll find you. And you may very well find yourself in this next part of the show. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness. Write it down. So first up from Simon Clark at Simon Carbon. When I first started listening in 2016, I decided I was going to listen to the Beer O'Clock Show back catalogue, but did it in reverse order. 
which was kind of weird. Over time, they knew less and less about beer. I think um, that, that's quite an interesting comment from Simon. <laughs> I mean, it's, a, it's a brilliant way of doing it because they would have got back to like Green King IPA eventually. Yeah, ultimately, yeah, which isn't, oh, it's not the way <laughs> I suggest you do it, folks. That's if you are going to do the back catalogue, don't do it in the wrong direction. Um, from Guzzler at a lagging underscore boat. Really appreciate the hard work you guys put into the podcast. Helps get me through the working day. You are very welcome, Guzzler. Uh, we do it because we enjoy it. Yeah, um, thanks for that, Guzzler. Yeah, it's, it's that sort of feedback. We, we love that. Now, before we go any further with the feedback, uh, let's get some final thoughts on the Signature Brew C-Sharp. Sicilian lemon and citrus sour. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm going to put that out there right it was, now. It was lovely. That, that lemon flavour stayed throughout, but never got overpowering. It was really well balanced. The dry finish just made you want to come back for a bit more and a bit more. I think it's a, it's probably one of the best sours I've had, as in very. Because I I'm a big fan of sours, but most sours are. Oh, I like that. I'm not sure I could drink much more of it. This I could smash. It's. Uh, I know. I know. A couple of folk got really upset when I used this phrase last time, but it's a gateway sour. It it really is. It's 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 not a very sour sour um it's more tart and refreshing than, than anything else and i think it's a gateway beer yeah if you're trying to convince people who say i don't like beer give them this i really enjoyed it so it's a massive thanks to signature brew for sending us both the beers tonight now why why we were trying that martin you suggested something which we've only gone yes, and done and, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we well i said and you uh thought oh that's a good idea as well um what would this be like with a gin so we've both gone to our gin stash. We've both gone for a double measure, a few ice cubes, and we've topped up with a bit of the uh, C-sharp. So we now have gin and C-sharp. What, so, what, what gin are you drinking, mate? Just, uh, just the, before we drink it. So my example was the Adams Copperhouse, which I do have in, in the beer cupboard. So what have you gone for? I've got um, Edinburgh gin, which was uh, a lovely gift, actually, from, from M during lockdown. She, um, she sent this across to me from out of nowhere. wasn't expecting it. Parcel turned up one day, and, and this was in there. But this says on the back, it's a classic gin with a citrusy nose and a subtle note of heather and a burst of juniper. Best enjoys, enjoyed as a classic gin and tonic with a zesty orange twist. So certainly putting our own twist on this one tonight because we've uh, used a Sicilian <laughs> citrus sour as, as the tonic. So uh, let's give this a try. Cheers, mate. Oh, cheers. Oh, do you know that what? Works. I, qu- <laughs> I quite like that. Um, that. That really works. The gin, the gin has taken off any of that uh, residual sweetness that might be there from the from the beer originally. And do you know what? I'm not sure it's the most healthiest of pairings because I'm upping the alcohol level, but it's very nice. It's very refreshing. It, yeah. it, it certainly works as a as as a mixer. Although, much like yourself, I wouldn't I wouldn't suggest using a four point five percent beer <laughs> as as a mixer for a gin, maybe. But um, if the signature brew uh, chaps are listening, um, hope hope you don't disapprove of of what we've done. But it does really work. So it does so, work. So, so, so give it a go. Um, let's get back to some more uh, of the of the comments from um, our listeners, mate. From your boy, Rob Edwards, at Rob underscore Edwards. Great show again, guys. Rob is spot on about the community you guys have formed around this show. And from Johnny Beer Boy, 
and this is quite an astonishing uh, tweet, actually. Loved the show and thought Rob was brilliant, as expected. Meanwhile, earliest listen yet, question mark, in brackets, 3.58 a.m. Seriously, he's listened to us at 3.58 a.m. Johnny, first of all, thank you. Second, I'm oppressed and amazed in equal measure. Same, Glad same you enjoyed here. it still. Yeah, I think it's great that people seem to be listening at all sorts of times, um, which is which is fantastic to hear. From Paul at UNRCD, great podcast as always. Nice listening to another guest drinker. People of our age will usually be nostalgic about things. Some things will always be better back in our prime, but beer certainly isn't one of them. And then from Zach Avery at Zach Avery. Not that I obsess with this sort of thing, but it's so nice to hear Rob talking about the start of the Leeds beer scene with North Bar and Beer Ritz, pre-Thornbridge, pre-Brewdog. We had to make our own fun back then. I mean, I think um, some of those comments are really nice. And I think that um, everyone seemed to really love our previous guest drinker. It's It's the first time he's been on Opinions. I don't think it'll be the last time. So from Gerald Farrell at Gerald Farrell 2. Nice to hear Steve says he enjoys a hobgoblin now and then. Having spent years caught up in the quest for only the highest IBU IPAs, I recently went back to it and I'm really enjoying it again as a, and as a weekly staple. And it's in Roger Proxy's 300 Beers book, so that can't be a bad thing. Loving the shorter shows, by the way. Fits my lawn mowing perfectly. And then finally from Mark Johnson at Mark N. Johnson, lots of fun as ever. Didn't realise Rob had left Twitter. Interesting that I don't love Salt's answer is none as much as other black IPAs either. And now I'm thinking that Sabro is the cause too. Must find out more. May have ordered that Brew York West Coast IPA after this show. Hashtag influencers. <laughs> I mean, we both did love that uh, Brew York West Coast IPA, didn't we? It was it was spot on as as far as I was concerned, and I um unfortunately drank my last one the other evening, so I'm I've none left now. I might have to put in another order. I still have one, but it does lead us on very nicely to the last question, actually. Questions, questions, fill my head. From Joshua A. House, are West Coast back in fashion? I could buy a million New England IPAs today if I wanted, but no West Coasts. Not because breweries aren't brewing them, but because they're sold out. Any suggestions? I think quite a few people suggested to Joshua that he should try the Brew York one based, based on our recommendations of it. Um, but it does seem as though it's interesting. Actually, I was on, I did the men behaving badly shit quiz the other night and it, and it was as shit as you would expect, but it was the best shit quiz ever. So, so well, I would just say well done to the, to the guys there for hosting that. But afterwards, as these things do, uh, it just ended up being a bit of a drinking session. And, and we were having um, th- this discussion actually about West Coast IPAs because Mark was on and he was talking about the Brew York one and he was drinking one and I had, that's when I had my last one as well. And, and we were saying that actually um, there, there are more becoming available, but this year they seem to be more on style than they were when they first started coming back last year. So I think what we saw last year was a lot of um, people who had got used to brewing the, the softer East Coast styles coming back to the West Coast. And we were still getting West Coasts that were still very sweet and they were still a little bit soft. But now what we're getting is we're getting the, the, the piney, resinous, bitter 
beers are coming back. So that there are there are more West Coast beers coming back, but yeah, they do seem to to, to go very very quickly. I I can't off the top of my head think think of many. I think probably the two that will immediately come to mind is the uh, Thornbridge Pondera. As, as as being an absolute great example of a West Coast beer this year, and 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 the Brew York uh, Big Eagle twenty twenty, which um, even in my mind probably even superseded Pondera in in terms of its West Coastness. I think it's a good point you make um, that last year when we started to see some of these West Coast IPA styles come back, there was definitely still a leaning towards the softer softer side. Um, I suppose what's disappointing for me is that the, they seem to be coming out of seasonal specials and collaborations rather than being core range. So let's take out, I don't know, say like Jaipur, which is one of our favourites. Take that out, which is very definitely a Formbridge core range. But, um, you know, those kind of... I would buy that Brew York beer every time I bought an order from Brew York if it was there all the time. I'd buy Pondera all the time if it was there all the time from Formbridge. I don't understand why they're not still regular beers. Whereas like Joshua said, the softer, fruitier, low bitterness beers are available on a very regular basis, very often from a lot of places. But I do feel there are coming back. There has been a bit of a reverse in the trend and I think we're seeing truer to style as well. So those are all very welcome developments in my beer world. Yeah, I think, as, as you were saying there, I think the, the other one, particularly you saying about them not being core beers, but the one that maybe has come back recently is, is Brewdog's Jackhammer, which I think that might be in their core range now, seeing as it's available in supermarkets. That they are out there, but unfortunately at the moment, you still have to search for them. Um, I would say that those, though, Joshua, keep your eye out for one that's probably landing in the next few weeks from Elusive, because I know Andy has been quite publicly saying that he's just brewed uh, a West Coast IPA. So uh, keep your eye out for that, because knowing Andy, that will be bang on style. And just to finish off questions this week, we actually want to spin this one round on our listeners because we've, we've got a question uh, to put to you folks to, to, to get your view on this one. And that's um, obviously with uh, venues opening up at reduced capacities, do you think this is going to have a larger impact on the cask beer market um, due to its shorter shelf life? So we'd love to hear your views on, on that one. Um, use the hashtag opinions and, and let us know what you think about that. And with that, I think we've, we've come to the end of what for us has been a longer than normal show, but we're hoping that our listeners will understand why, because we've, we've obviously had to cover off quite a meaty news item and five polls. And uh, two beers and a gin and tonic or a gin and beer. A gin and beer, which whoever thought you'd hear us say that at the end of the show. Um, how are you enjoying your um, gin and beer, mate? Actually, I'm loving it. I have to admit, it's going down really well. And I'm, I'm actually now disappointed I haven't got a third C-sharp to go with another gin. I'm probably going in for a second measure of, of this after the show. Um, so... Um, I'm just going to enjoy the rest of my evening on gin and beer, which is, <laughs> which is apparently the new mix. That's the way to go, mate. That's the way to go. Yeah. Um, so what have we got coming up uh, next week, mate? 
as P, as uh, listeners will know, we, we, we tend to do our guest drinker every other week. So the next guest drinker is going to be Johnny Tyson, the beer wrangler. So I predict you might actually get some facts from one of us. I mean, not me and Steve, but from the beer wrangler. And uh, that, that's coming up in the next show. Very, very much looking forward to that. Um, just one final thank you to Signature Brew for sending us over the beers that we've enjoyed this evening. We do really appreciate that. Um, give, them a, give them a shout and, and try some of their beers if that's the sort of thing that you enjoy. Until next week, there's only one thing to say, really. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.